اعوذ بالله من الشیطان الرجیم بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم الحمد لله رب العالمین و صلی الله علی سیدنا محمد و آله الطاهرین اللهم صل على محمد و آل محمد ورس نمبر 138 وجاوزنا ببني اسرائيل البحر فاتوا على قوم يعكفون على اصنام لهم قالوا يا موسى اجعل لنا الها كما لهم الهه قال انكم قوم تجهلون we carried the children of israel across the sea whereat they came upon a people cleaving to certain idols that they had they said o moses make for us a god like the gods that they have he said you are indeed an ignorant lot this verse of course Uh, somehow summarizes the story to a great deal the way they were delivered from Pharaoh. Uh, now, as you uh, remember, the previous verses mentioned how Pharaoh was stubborn about not letting Musa and Banu Israel to leave Egypt. And uh, the different signs that came to them And every time the sign came, they said, okay, we believe and we let you go. However, when the calamity was uh, uh, removed from them, they uh, broke their pledge and they didn't let them go. Now, what happened was that uh, at the end, uh, apparently, uh, Pharaoh imprisoned all Banu Israel. He removed them from their land and brought them into Egypt. I say probably why Egypt, of course, of course I mean the mainland, Memphis, close to the city, and put them in a big, huge camp. Now, why I say this is uh, the verse that we have in Surah Yunus, that's, وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَى مُوسَى وَحَارُونَ أَنْ تَبَوَّعَ لِقَوْمِكُمَا بُيُوتًا بِمِصْرَ وَجْعَلُوا بُيُوتَكُمْ قِبْلَةً We relieved We revealed to Musa and Harun that accommodate your people in the mainland, in, in, the, in the metropolis, in the Mesr. And either this was a move by Musa to bring Banu Israel closer to where they wanted to move out overnight, or it was a, a plot of her own to actually imprison all of them. Anyhow, they were removed from their homes, from their farms, from their land. They were brought to the mainland and they camped in a huge, they were camped in a very huge camp there. And it made it easier for them if they wanted to move out overnight to, to be able to do that. And uh, the way this happened, we made the Banu Israel to cross the sea And the sea here, Bahr, usually Bahr is not referred to river. And this shows that they didn't go through River Nile. They went through a sea, which according to lots of records, it is the, uh, the, the Red Sea, the, the, the branch of the Red Sea, which comes into the Sinai Peninsula. That's the, 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 down the, uh, the Aqaba, the Gulf of Aqaba. And uh, they passed through that. And how it happened is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, revealed to Musa 
وأوحينا إلى موسى أن أسر بعبادي leave Egypt take my servants take عبادي from Egypt out during the night when the guards are of course much less and of course they couldn't stop them moving out there were several hundred thousand people so move them overnight to the sea and seek a way for them through the sea where, while we make the sea to be dry and you would not do not fear that you will be caught and do not fear that you will be killed now this was a very dangerous move very dangerous because this was absolute disobedience to Pharaoh if they wanted to move out and Pharaoh would have come and uh, killed them that's why the Banu Israel were much uh, concerned about this decision of Musa if you are taking us out what will happen to us whether Pharaoh would kill us or he wouldn't kill us what about the army what about all these things when they moved out and the guards informed Pharaoh that the Banu Israel is marching out of Egypt he to some extent became happy because he said now this is the time that I can finish them so what happened he said okay I mobilized the whole army from throughout the Egypt so that we could finish them off in one day so what happened فَأَرْسَلَ فِرْعَوْنُ فِي الْمَدَائِنِ حَاشَرِينَ Pharaoh sent emissaries to all cities the same as when he wanted to bring the, the magicians he sent emissaries to the cities to bring the magicians now he sent emissaries to bring all his army to mobilize the army and bring them so that they could finish Bani Israel in, in a very short time and of course the army was quite scattered throughout the land the heads of army the, the big commanders the very famous commanders of the military they were living in different cities so he said to all of them that I want your help now come with your soldiers come with your men these are a very small group and of course there, as I said there were several hundred thousand and it shows what population Egypt had at that time huge population Egypt had at that time that these several hundred thousand people were just a small number for them and they have made us really angry and we are in such a population that everyone in the world every nation in the world fears us that shows that they were absolutely the superpower of their time the army was quite well equipped the facilities they had the, 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 the armors they had no one dared to fight them so a very very beautiful statement is mentioned here about what, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala planned it فَأَخْرَجْنَاهُمْ Of course, these are not in this surah. It's in surah Shu'ara. فَأَخْرَجْنَاهُمْ مِنْ جَنَّاتٍ وَعُيُونَ Look how we brought them out of their gardens, out of their springs in which they were living. 
the treasures they had, the position they had. We brought them, actually we, one by one, we chose them, we selected them, and we brought them out. Those who were living in very far away cities, we chose them to bring them out, to drown them, actually. This is eventually what is happening, isn't it? In this way, we brought them out. If Allah wanted just to destroy Pharaoh in, in the metropolis, in the capital, it was very easy. But he wanted to destroy the whole army of Pharaoh. This whole machinery should have been destroyed. So what happened? Pharaoh sent to them, come, I want your help. And, of course, they were mobilized. The whole prominent heads of army, commanders, the chiefs of oppressors, actually, who were scattered around Egypt, they all came. We, we brought them out, and they came. Now, this process should have probably taken several weeks. That's Banu Israel were marching. And if you imagine the, the geography of the March, it makes sense because they set out from the uh, the northern part of Egypt, coming down to go through the sea, so that they go out of the reach of Pharaoh's Pharaoh's sovereignty. So it has taken them several weeks to march down to the Red Sea, and of course Pharaoh was not. Uh, very much uh, worried about it because he knew that with his army, with a fast-moving army, he could catch them very easily. Now, what happened was this Jawazna Bani Israel al-Bahr, Allah wanted to do two things here. Allah wanted to make them pass through the, the sea and he wanted to drone Pharaoh and his army. Two things he wanted to do. That's why when they were moving towards the sea, First of all, the question was for the for Ashabu Musa. How are we going to pass through the sea? Why are we going this way? Why don't we go another way? We are just going to that end. And of course, Musa was telling them, my Lord has revealed to me that we have to go this way. He will let us pass through the sea. What Pharaoh and, of course, his, uh, his, uh, his spies, uh, the people who were watching over this movement of Banu Israel were informing him, made him very happy. Where are they going? They are going to that end. They are going to the sea. How they want to pass through the sea? They, they have no, she, no ships, no carriages to, to, to carry them through the sea. So Pharaoh was very happy, very relieved that we are going to catch them very easily. So they moved after, after a few weeks, the army of the huge army, the machinery of Egyptian army, it's set out. And Ashab Musa, they came to the sea, and what happened was that the sea did not open. They were stuck there. And uh, they said to Musa, okay, what's the plan? How are we going to pass through the sea? We have to wait. I don't know. And Allah has told me that we have to move to, through the sea, we have to pass the sea, but I don't know how, when and how it's going to open. So they were stuck there, they were camped there. And of course, Pharaoh was coming. And you can imagine what sort of uh, uh, strout and uh, worry was in the heart of Ashabu Musa, the followers of Musa Banu Israel. The army of Egypt was drawing close, the sea was not opening. Until after several weeks, 
the two sides could see each other. As Habu Musa were stuck there, they could see the army drawing close. فَلَمَّا تَرَى الْجَمْعَانِ قَالَ أَصْحَابُ مُوسَى إِنَّا لَمُتْرَكُونَ When the two, the eyes of the two groups could see the other group, the Ashabu Musa said, now we are caught. That's the end of it. And probably those prominent people, heads of tribes, criticizing Musa, look what have you done? You, you were cheated by your Lord. You brought us here to make us pass through the sea. The sea does not open and Pharaoh is coming. Why Allah made them to wait there? Why Allah actually lingered not opening the sea for them? course it was very clear he wanted the pharaoh to come and his army so that he drawn them if had they passed through without pharaoh and his army be there they wouldn't have been drawn so he wanted two things to happen they for them to pass and for the army of egypt to be drawn so musa said never this will happen Never they will catch us. My Lord is with me. And this is very interesting what Musa is saying. He doesn't say, Allah is with us. Because Allah was not with Banu Israel. My Lord is with me. And he will guide me. And he will guide me. Musa himself doesn't know. How is this, how is this going to happen? When this was going to happen, he didn't know that. So when they come quite close, so that uh, by, by the time the uh, Banu Israel were into the sea, the army could have come and go to the sea as well. Then we revealed to Musa, now strike the sea with your stuff. And this happened. He struck the sea with his stuff and the sea started to open. Open and a, a pathway, of course, quite a wide pathway for all those hundreds of thousands of people to move in, which, of course, initially probably they were quite hesitant. What should we do? Should we move in? What will happen if we go in and the water comes upon us? But, of course, they had to follow Musa now. And especially for those hesitants among the Ashabu Musa who always... Uh, doubted what Musa said, they had no other choice but to follow him because Pharaoh was, was behind them, isn't it? If they didn't go into the sea, Pharaoh would have caught them and killed them. So all of them followed Musa through the sea. Now, when Pharaoh closed, uh, uh, drew close, all drew close, Israel had already set their foot into the sea. And for those 100,000 people to go in, into that pathway, probably it took several hours. And when us, uh, the Pharaoh came, they were already all into the sea, moving towards the other end. And to pass that pathway by foot, I don't know, maybe took a day or something like that, several hours for them to pass through that. Now, Pharaoh had to make a choice what to do. Should we go into inside the sea? Shouldn't we go? What will happen? Is this another magic of Musa? Would, we, would it be safe for us to follow them? Now, here the, uh, the commanders of the army started to, uh, 
to somehow disagree with each other. Should we follow them? Shouldn't we follow them? At the end, Pharaoh said, I will follow them, and you have to come after me. So he set foot by his horse. He just ran his horse towards the uh, Banu Israel into the sea, and the whole army followed him. Now, the traditions say that when the last person of Banu Israel went to the other side and uh, set foot on the other side out of the sea, the last soldier of Pharaoh went into the sea. So a long, long chain of army was going into that pathway. Probably several kilometers of army were into the sea. And now when all the Banu Israel moved out, the sea came together. And all the Pharaoh were agraqna. All his soldiers, all his army were destroyed. And that was actually the end of Egypt. Egypt was destroyed because the whole army of Pharaoh, from the whole territory, they had come together and they were destroyed. They were drawn. So this is the story how, of course, there are lessons that in other surahs are mentioned about Pharaoh and his army, especially Pharaoh, the way he himself personally was drawn. What did he say? What happened to him? Uh, this should be dealt in other surahs. Just wanted to somehow elaborate on this idea of, uh, on this statement, وَجَاوَزْنَا ببني إسرائيل الْبَحْرِ Very, of course, concisely said, and we made Banu Israel to pass through the sea. Now, when they passed the sea, this was, of course, all of them were witnessing the whole army of Pharaoh, including himself. They completely destroyed. They all drawn. And this was a, probably the most exciting moment in the life of every Israelite, seeing this happening. After all those years of torture, torment, and uh, uh, hardships that Pharaoh put them through, now they saw Pharaoh and all his his whole army were, were drawn. And maybe some of them could not believe that. Could not believe that Pharaoh, the, the Lord of Egypt, the God of Egypt, he was dead. And that's why Allah says in other surahs that we actually saved Pharaoh's body. Because all others, they just were drawn into the sea, the, uh, the, the fish ate them, and their, their body were decomposed, destroyed. But Pharaoh, we saved his body. We save your body today. Not yourself, but your body. So that everyone can see that Pharaoh is dead. Otherwise, the people would have said, what? Well, he was a god, he went to heaven, so, for example. He was a god, he was not destroyed. But Allah said, no, we will save your body so that everyone can see that you are dead. That's this man who claimed to be God, who wanted to fight against the Lord of the creation, that he is dead. Now, for Banu Israel, of course, this was unbelievable. Pharaoh and all his army were... And this of course, increased their faith. This added to their faith to Musa. Despite all those uh, signs that they had seen, still they, they used to criticize Musa, they used to, uh, to, to somehow rebuke him for the troubles that he had caused, in their opinion, in Banu Israel. Now, of course, they were wholeheartedly 
believing in Musa, of what, of course, God did to Pharaoh. Now, when they passed, they became very sort of spiritually elated. They, they, now they really wanted to worship their God. Because in Egypt, they were worshiping other gods as well. Although, traditionally, their religion was a monotheistic religion, but they were worshiping other gods as well because they were seeing Egyptians were above them, and they thought it's because of the gods that they worship. That's why they are above them. So they, they used to worship those gods as well. However, now they wanted to wholeheartedly worship their own gods, the god that their forefathers were worshiping. So... When they passed through the sea, فَاتَوْ عَلَىٰ قَوْمٍ يَعْكِفُونَ عَلَىٰ أَصْنَامٍ لَهُمْ Of course, they passed through the sea, they went northwards to go towards the Holy Land. So they, they came to the other side of the Sinai. However, they went northwards to, to, go, to go up to the, uh, the, 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 the upper part of Hejaz, and then Iraq, and then Syria, and they go up to the, uh, the, the the holy land that they were promised. Now, then on this way they came across a people. Neither the Quran nor the traditions, they don't tell us what city this was, what people they were, but they were people dedicated. Ya'kifun. Akuf is when someone wholeheartedly isolates themselves for some purpose, for some spiritual purpose especially. Uh, they were wholeheartedly worshipping their, uh, their idols. Some agents say that these are the people of Lachm, Banu Lachm, that uh, they were worshipping uh, idols, and the, this, this, these idols are not named as well what idols they were. Was it Baal? Was it other idols that they were worshipping? However, uh, as I said, most of the agents say that these were Banu Lachm, uh, which were uh, the, the, the northern part of Iraq, as they were passing, moving upwards towards the north, they came through these people. Now, what's what drives them to say this? Put for us, make for us a God like these people who have gods, who want to worship. As I said, now they had become very religious and they really wanted to worship their God. But a God that they couldn't see, a God that they couldn't visually go to, uh, physically go to and uh, uh, talk to, it was very difficult for them. As I said, because also in Egypt they had seen, seen these sort of physical symbols of gods. They were there. They wanted a symbol for their own god. So they didn't want to become idol worshippers. This statement doesn't say that they wanted to become other idol worshippers. Because they saw that these people were worshipping Idols which were symbols of their gods. Apparently what they asked from Musa was that, okay, our God doesn't have any symbols. Our God doesn't have any statutes. Uh, so put for us a God like the God that uh, they have. And apparently 
This attitude that they couldn't worship a God which was abstract, which was not visually uh, uh, comprehensible, uh, this led them to be deceived by Samari that made that uh, call uh, and said, This is your God. And this is the God of Musa. Actually, Musa didn't make for you a symbol of God that you worship, but this is the symbol of God of you and God, God of Musa. Musa deprived you of this. I gave you this. Samari told them, and they started to worship the calf. Otherwise, how could he deceive them, telling them that you, you, you should worship this calf instead of the God, which is the God of your forefathers. Apparently, what deceived them was that this is the symbol of your gods. This is the physical manifestation of your Lord on the earth. So worship him. Here, what they want was this, that we cannot worship a God that we cannot see. We want to dedicate ourselves to, the, to God. We want to isolate ourselves through a sacrifice for him and all these things we cannot do without really seeing him. And this is what Constantine, they were asking Musa, show us God, isn't it? Even when he, uh, when he took the chosen elite among the Banu Israel with him to, to the appointment of God, they said, قَالُوا يَا مُوسَى لَن نُؤْمِنَ لَكَ حَتَّى نَرَى اللَّهَ جَهْرَةً we do not believe in you, in what you say, that you, you talk to your Lord, until and unless we see the Lord by our eyes. This is what they wanted to see. And here, Put a God for us. The way there are gods for them. Now, here, of course, the beginning of difficulties showed up. That's what a difficult time Musa is going to have with these people. He said, you are really an ignorant people. You are comparing God, the creator of the world, with these gods. So, three things Musa said in their, in their uh, reply. That when they asked for a God to be seen, so that they could dedicate themselves to that God, they would worship that God. First of all, you are very ignorant. You don't know what is God at all. You don't know what you worship. You don't know who saved you. You don't know what sort of God uh, you are worshipping, that you want a symbol for him. You want a physical, visual symbol for your Lord to worship. And then he explained for them that why this is impossible. First of all, you are seeing these people worshipping these idols very uh, in a very dedicated way, wholeheartedly. They, they have okuf, i'tikaf. Okuf is from, i'tikaf is from okuf, isn't it? They have i'tikaf beside their gods constantly, 24-7, over the year. There are people who are sitting here worshipping in turn, and you are seeing that, however... What they are engaged in is indeed bound to perish. Mutabbar from tabar. Tabar is destruction. Perish. These people, what they are doing, 
is bound to perish. There is no meaningful thing into it. All these dedications are, instead of bringing them happiness, holiness, it brings them destruction. One. And what they have been doing shall come to note. Battle. This worship is battle. Now, worship, of course, when we worship God, we seek some sort of result out of it. And Allah says, I have not created ends but to worship me. Why? Because a result would come out of it. For them, not for me, of course. This worship would bring them a result. However, this worship that they do, no matter whether these gods are symbol of the creator or these gods are symbols of other gods who they believe would bring them close to the creator or independently would help them, it's all in vain. It comes to naught. There is no result out of it. And uh, uh, that is why, of course, in the Quran we have إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَخْفِرُ أَنْ يُشْرَكَ بِهِ وَيَخْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ Allah would not forgive or Ofran is to make up for a mistake. Forgive means this. Would make up for, Allah would make up for every mistake that you do in this world, except for shirk. There is no make up for it. It's impossible. Because what you do, you destroy your time, your life, everything in a battle thing, in something which comes to note eventually. And this is why we have to bear in mind nowadays that this uh, dialogue of uh, faith, interfaith dialogues are very in vogue and uh, very common. We have to note that there is no dialogue between us and idol worshippers. It's impossible that we could establish dialogue. And Quran, of course, advises us to dialogue with other religious religions. قُلْ يَا أَحْلَ الْكِتَابِ O people of the book, تَعَالَوْا إِلَىٰ كَلِمَةٍ سَوَاءٍ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ Come, we discuss about the common word between us. We have a common word. Of course, the Ahlul Kitab. Although they say Jesus was son of God, still they believe in God. And they, they have mistaken, they, they have been mistaken in how to describe him. However, they believe in the God that is the creator. The Jews as well. That's why the Quran tells us, قُلْ يَا أَحْلَ الْكِتَابِ تَعَالَوْا Come, let's talk about the common word among us. إِلَىٰ كَلِمَةٍ سَوَاءٍ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ However, with idol worshippers, there is no كَلِمَةٍ سَوَاءٍ There is no common word. So there cannot be any dialogue between Muslims and idol worshippers. But there can be dialogue between Muslims and other monotheistic religions. So here, what Musa says is that إِنَّ هَؤُلَاءِ مُتَبَّرٌ مَا هُمْ Whatever they do is bottle, comes to notes. So we shouldn't think that even the idol worshippers who worship their idols dedicate themselves, sacrifice for it, and dedicate all their lives. Eventually they get a result out of it. They wouldn't. Because they are worshipping something which comes to notes. Will be bottle. And then Musa here explains positively for them that's why there cannot be 
a symbol for your Lord. If you want a symbol that is other than Allah, that's other than God the Creator. So should I seek an Allah for you other than God? A ma'abud, Allah is something to be worshipped, isn't it? Should I seek something for you to worship other than God? Because whatever I put for you is other than God. Whatever comes to your mind is other than God. I cannot put any God for you. And these three, a couple of sentences shows that there was a long discussion between Musa and his people that why this is not possible. Why we cannot have a symbol of our God as other people have symbol of their gods? Why is not possible for us to have a symbol of our God? Because whatever I put for you is other than God. So should I seek a God other than uh, God the Creator? Okay, Musa, how do you describe him for us? What are we worshipping? Are we worshipping just some... Something which comes to note in our mind, in our heart, we cannot comprehend, we cannot understand. No. Look at his attributes. Look what he has done to you. Look at his bounties, his names. We worship him through his names, different names, of course, we see in this world. We see the signs of his mercy, the sign of his sustaining us, the signs of his bounties. All these we see and we have to worship him by invoking these names. Now, you want to describe your Lord? Say, our Lord is the one who graced us over all others. This is, this is your Lord. This is how you can describe him. There's no other way you can describe him, you can visualize him. So, Shall I find you a God other than Allah? And you should remember him in this way. He has graced you over all the nations. This is the way you have to invoke him in your mind. Our Lord is the one. And this is how actually we know our Lord, isn't it? Our Lord is the one who has created me. Can you explain further? Can you describe further? That describing further is our Lord is the one who sustains us. Our Lord is the one who does this, who does that. Actually, we know him through his acts, through his attributes. We don't know his essence. What these people want is that they want the essence of the God to be seen and to be worshipped. This is not possible. The only way for you to have a sort of a remembrance of him is through his names. If you want to recall your Lord, recall his beautiful names. Recall his attributes. And those attributes would lead you to a knowledge of him. Thank you very much, Sheikh. Um, we have 10 minutes for question and answers. Do we have any questions? Assalamu Sorry, this is a bit of a basic question, but um, in terms of when we look at the events that the Quran describes, we usually try to learn something for ourselves, a um, moral story. Um, which this has plenty of, but it's always um, 
a bit confusing for me when you look at it because you described that they were worshipping idols as well, Bani Israel, in Egypt. So why is it that they're favoured above the Egyptian army who were doing the same and they're protected um, and they're not drowned? As I said, it was because of that core group who were among Banu Israel who deserved to be saved and others were saved by them because of them. And especially uh, Musa had come to save Banu Israel out of their plight and out of their wrong uh, ideas about God. He had come to guide them and they needed guidance certainly. Just like when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, sent a prophet to idol worshippers in Mecca to save them. And of course, Allah wanted to save Pharaoh and his people as well. But Pharaoh, of course, didn't allow that. He, he stopped Banu, other people other than Banu Israel to follow Musa. However, here, of course, Banu Israel, because Musa was one of them, because he was talking about their forefathers' religion, they were more inclined to listen to him than others. So in the previous verse, verses when we said that uh, we saved Banu Israel because they were patient, we said not all of them were patient. They started to criticize Musa for, for all those uh, difficulties. However, they were a core group. And it was for that core group that all these things happened and Allah wanted to save the whole nation. Assalamu alaikum. alaykum. Thank you as usual for detailed explanation. My question is regarding the interfaith. Uh, when we go to interfaith dialogue, not about only Christianity and Judaism and Islam is involved, there are other religions like Hinduism, Sikhism, Parsi, they all come to this sort of a discussion. Now, um, as far as uh, our, our points are concerned, Christianity and Islam and Judaism are the people of the book. But when you go to the Hindu religion, they sort of ask me a question that if you don't believe in idol worshipping, what do you do in Kaaba? You know, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's a stone. Same thing, we have, we, we, we create a, a statue, and in statue, we put our rue into it. That's, that's how they claim it. We, we put, put what, sorry? All, all our prayers into it, and, and the rue comes into that statue. Mm. Although we believe in, at the end of the day, it's a Brahma, which is a creator, but in order to focus our mind, we have a, the statues in front of us. And it becomes very difficult for me to, you know, sometimes... Uh, yeah, actually, these verses talking yeah. about Banu Israel explains that. Musa is explaining to them that this is not the, the right way of worshipping God. Now, with regards to Kaaba, of course, we do not worship Kaaba. Even when you kiss it, you don't kiss it because these stones are gods or symbols of God or something like that. It's because it's a spiritual place. You kiss it because it's a spiritual place. Especially for us Shias, when we go to visit the shrines of Imam Muzulium, if we think that they have a power or they symbolize God, we are mushrik. Okay? But if we think that, yes, these are people who are graced by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we want to seek some of that grace by drawing ourselves closer to them, then... That's not idol worshipping. Going to Kaaba is not idol worshipping because we do not go to worship Kaaba. We just go to get the blessings of the place, which is a spiritual place. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always abstract for us. We should not ever think, and this is the meaning of subhanallah, isn't it? Allah is above whatever you think, whatever you say. However, there, there are a group of people that Allah has nominated to talk about him, to describe him. And these are the mursaloon. At the end of Surah uh, Safat, these verses that uh, is uh, recommended to, uh, to recite after every prayer, Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Amma Yasifun. He is above whatever they describe. Wasalamun ala al-Mursaleen. However, peace to Mursaleen. Who can describe him? As in other verses, Subhanallah Amma Yasifun illa ibadallah al-Mukhlasin. Only these Mukhlasin, these purified ones can describe him because they never describe him in, in a way which makes him something which we can visualize or we can comprehend by our mind. So, walhamdulillah rabbil alamin. When we praise, praise is for something that you really know. However, that praise should come through what the Mursaleen say, nothing else. With regards to idol worshippers, these idols that they say that the ruh of God comes into it or something like that, actually diverse human, diverts human being from reality of God, from what God is. It makes God something parallel to, to ourselves in this world. And this, of course, may happen to, uh, to, to, to all religions to divert them. Because in Hinduism, they say God has come on several occasions uh, inside human beings on the earth, manifested as itself in human beings. He has come down. Actually, Christianity says something similar, that God, through Jesus, came on the earth. And for... Uh, uh, for Hindus, they say through several people, they, he has come over there. And this completely removes us away from what God is. We are not actually worshipping God anymore. We are worshipping something which is bottle. This is what this, these verses tell us. That's why I said interfaith is when there is a common word. Here there is no common word because we are absolutely diverging from each other. With, in terms of what God is what, and what we would worship. And human being tends to be like that. Look at the Shia. We don't say that Aemma are, uh, are places where God has actually uh, descended in. Still, the Shias somehow have wrong ideas about the Aemma, thinking that they have independent sort of power from God. Now, if you think that there are certain people who are actually the place of God's descent on the earth. What will happen? It absolutely diverts us from worshipping God himself. And that's the, that's the crux of the matter. Um, I need some guidance. Maybe you can help me. Um, I have been I have been in contact with children. I have been a teacher for quite a few years. Um, I feel that uh, there's two things. I want to learn from history how we tackle 
this present day wave of atheism, number one. Number two, I know that even Einstein used only 7% of his brain and he, he reached somewhere. How come we cannot gear ourselves to use our brain so that we can be as near to his core and understand him? Now, my first point is I have known people, I have known students who I've taught away from this country who are very strict believers in God. When they come here, they argue with me and they say, we become atheists. Now, you said there's no way we can argue with idol worshippers. I feel atheism is worse than idol worship. Now, how do we tackle people who have this argument, like you said during this uh, Musa's time, that they want to see him? How can we bring them? I know Allah will open up, you know, you said they have, the Quran says they have eyes and they can't see and so on and so forth. I'm sure there is a way of tackling this sort of uh, wave of atheism I find these days where people will not be prepared to comprehend the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, in terms of arguing with people, we can argue with everyone, of course. We can argue with idol worshippers, we can argue with atheists. We, as I said, we, don't, we cannot have a dialogue on a common word, and we cannot have a dialogue on a common word with atheists as well, that we say, okay, we have a common basis. For example, we accept God, all of us. No, we don't, with atheists. But we can, of course, argue with them. This is the way the prophets did. They argued with all idol worshippers. They argued with atheists. They brought hujja for them. They tried to prove God. However, the... Worshipping God or believing in God is not completely to do with brain. There, there is another faculty in human beings that should be activated. And of course, the beginning of it is brain. That we see the signs of God. We cannot comprehend him. We cannot know who he is. Just we see his signs. That is the creation. We see his signs. The brain says there should be someone. And then the brain says, okay, what that someone wants from us? This is the beginning. It starts with brain. The fact that we cannot use the whole capacity of our, of our brain is a, is a blessing, actually. If we could use it, you can imagine what destruction would have brought to this earth. You see, because people use their brain usually for wrong things, isn't it? They use 1% of their brain. Look what destruction, what evil they have brought to this earth. If they could use it, just imagine if an armed robber could use 100% of its capacity, brain capacity, what, what they would have done. Now, uh, the beginning of faith is when your aql tells you, and aql is different than brain. Brain is just a calculating machine, okay? Tells you that there, these signs guide us towards something. And then when you want to know that something, you cannot do it yourself. You need people who can talk on his behalf. And that's why you see all religions talk about certain people in history, isn't it? Because these people were grand human beings, so to speak, which had connection with, uh, with the supreme being. And through them, we can find our way. The only thing is that there should be a will in human being to want to do it. Those people who become atheists, they don't have that will to, to follow. 
Of course, many of them are somehow confused and we, we argue with them, we discuss things with them to bring them out of confusion so that their aql could tell them, yes, now you have to follow. Otherwise, if there is no initial will from inside human being, no one can guide anyone. That initial will is very important. So much atheistic, sorry. I haven't seen so much or so many people being in favor of atheism. Is I mean, I'm nearly what, 54 years old. So I'm just wondering why is there so much opposition against Allah in these days and times? Uh, I think now we are in a better position than in last century actually. We, we are moving away from that atheistic wave which came in the past century, which was due to the, to the, to the pride and arrogance which human beings found due to their science. Science actually led them to think that now we can realize everything. However, atheism has always been the prevalent, the prevalent, atheism and idol worshipping, the prevalent mode in, in the world. The majority, even if you try your best, would not become mu'mini. This has been the case. About the past civilizations, Allah says that We didn't find most of them to have that pledge that is between human being and God. Majority were kafir in the past civilizations. We usually think that religion is something which is uh, related to the past and Atheism is something related to the present. While we are wrong, actually, in the past also the majority were always without religion. Because we have seen that great dedication in our fathers, in our families, in our parents, we think that the whole world was like that. It wasn't. The whole world was actually tending to the other direction. And... uh, the reason why atheism is uh, in fashion nowadays, part of it is because of a couple of theories that atheists have used to promote their, uh, their idea, like evolution and uh, a couple of other scientific theories which they say, look, with these probability theory and, and such things that we don't need God for that, which I think after a while these would go out of fashion as well. And they have to find other theories to promote their ideas. In the past it has been the same. In the Quran it says that وَقَالُوا إِنْ هِيَ إِلَّا حَيَاتُنَا الدُّنْيَا نَمُوتُ وَنَحْيَا وَمَا يُهْلَكُنَا إِلَّا is nature. This has been in vogue at the time of Prophet as well. It's just nature, which brings us and takes us away. There's nothing else. These were not idol worshippers, actually. These were atheists at the time of the Prophet. They were there, atheists, and they used to mock both the idol worshippers and the prophets. That's you. You are all wrong. Uh, sometimes shirk comes as a fashion, sometimes atheism comes as a fashion. These are different ways of people to go away from God. I'm also a bit confused about the values we have nowadays. I mean, you can see the amount of freedom, especially in this world. You cannot, 
impart your upbringing to your children. There is things like child line and so on and so forth. This is what I'm saying that what values we had in our forefathers' time. You're saying we're better off now. Well, I feel that we have lost our children now than we used to before. Uh, well, I doubt if we force things upon our children. Uh, I mean, if, uh, if we think that child line is something that prevents us from imparting our teachings to our children, mm-hmm. probably uh, we look at it from a different perspective because uh, uh, no matter what amount of force you use, when the child comes to the age, every human individual would decide inside for themselves. They may, of course, uh, pretend things, but inside is what the people decide. So forcing or trying to be harsh or something like that would not work. Yeah, culturally, of course, people, children are always under the cultural pressure of their families. And when they come to a different culture, they say, we don't want to to live with your culture anymore, we want to to live with this culture, that would bring the conflict. However, when it comes to faith and belief, you cannot do anything about it. It's just the inner decision of every individual. And therefore, the best way to influence our children is not to force them. It's to just teach them the good way, good method. And they can choose for themselves. This is the utmost thing that we can do. Otherwise, we cannot do more than that. Formative years of child development, not when they are grown up. I mean, even if you are young and you cannot discipline your children, then where, how can we impart our values to a six-year-old son or a five-year-old daughter or whatever? This is what I'm, I'm not talking about when they've grown up and when they can decide. So what's the problem with that? I mean, in our families, we try to tell them this is the way you should behave, this is the way you, you better dress, for example, and usually the children follow the problem is when they come to age, they don't want to follow. Otherwise, children usually, they like to imitate their parents. They like to imitate their elders in the family. Well, I, probably I, I don't understand properly. But. I'm also referring to the environment we are living in. Yeah. I mean, the type of internet we have at the time of TV we have and uh, there's many places where it's difficult to find water in the washroom and if you want to a canteen to eat something, you have to think twice and all these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is part of upbringing, isn't it? Yeah, but these are very trivial issues and uh, of course people can adapt themselves to all such environments. I don't think these are important issues. These are very trivial. The, important, the most important thing is that core of faith in the heart that we have to inculcate in our children. And that would be only by showing them the good method. And of course, we don't have any control. They will eventually decide for themselves. Well, we have time for one last question. Yeah. My, all my neighborhoods are Hinduism, yeah? My work friends and everything. And we discuss about religion. And I tell them, I went out, actually wrote it, like transliteration English. And they'd read it, you know. And afterwards, they said, nothing is happening. So they went back to the idol worshipping, went to see their pundits, and did you know the amans for their for their religion, and they said, look, my prayers are getting answered from my way. And I said, and, and I didn't want to insult them, you know. And I said, okay, I respect them. They were doing idol worshippers, but they also get guidance 
you know, guidance from their Bhagwan or from their from their spirituality of Hinduism worship. So then I got confused. Guidance or they think their prayers are answered. Uh, of course, prayers being answered is different from guidance. And uh, the reason why people over the history have become idol worshippers has actually been exactly this point, that they thought that these would answer their prayers. And God tells us that you are wrong if you think that you are praying to them and they answer. It all comes from God. You, it's all the blessings of God coming to you. You worship, you, 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 you ask them. But in fact, you are indirectly asking God, not them. You are, that's why it's bottle. It's something done in vain. We shouldn't think that only the prayers of Muslims are answered. The prayers of idol worshippers are answered, of course, but not by the idols. It's answered by God. However, they think that it's answered by, uh, by, by those idols. We shouldn't think that Allah is like us. He says, since you are worshipping that idol, I'm not going to, to give you anything. No, of course, Allah is not like us. Allah is giving to everyone. Allah is giving to atheists. Allah is giving to idol worshippers. Allah is giving to... The wrong notion is that because most of us during our life, what we want, we get from God. Okay? In, in, in very considerable time uh, occasions, we get it. And idol worshippers, because they worship to their, they, they ask it from their idols. And God grants them, they think that the idols are granting them. And that's the wrong thing to do. And that's why actually, the, as I said, this apis calf or cow, it was one of the most powerful gods in Egypt. And everyone thought and believed that if you ask that apis calf anything, it would grant you. And that's why Banu Israel also used to worship that. And after even they passed through the sea, they wanted to worship that apis uh, uh, calf. And Samari made actually that call for them to, to symbolize their Lord, saying that this is ex- the same thing. So we shouldn't be mistaken by, or, or we shouldn't be somehow carried away by the idea that because we ask these idols, they, they answer. They don't, they cannot answer anything. They cannot hear. This is what the Quran says. You call them, they cannot hear you. Even if they could hear, they are not going to answer you. Who is answering you? Who is granting? It's God, not anyone else. Thank you very much, Sheikh. Inshallah, we resume next week. Next week isn't it Qadir or? Of course, Qadir for you, not for us, because Qadir for us is Saturday. <laughs> I, um, I think we're doing Eid Friday as well, so. You are doing Friday? Eid al-Adha, so Saturday. Adha is Friday? Oh, so, sorry, next week is Adha, yeah. sorry. Qadir is the following yes. week. Okay. <laughs> yeah, all right, fine. Okay, so Inshallah, yeah, inshallah next week. Salawat. Allahumma salli ala